From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President Sophia Thomas. And this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast, bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and to our patients. As COVID-19 vaccines become more readily available, there are still many of our patients who have concerns about getting vaccinated. So how do we talk to them about this issue? How do we combat false or misleading information from social platforms, friends and family, and even some media outlets? As nurse practitioners, part of the most trusted profession in America, do we understand why certain populations may be more likely to show resistance towards getting vaccinated? Do we take this into account in our own practices? Our guest today is a nurse practitioner of 26 years and a leader within AANP as a member of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. I'm so excited that he's here to share some of the history behind traditionally hesitant patient populations and to talk about a very effective communication method for speaking with our patients about vaccinations. Please help me welcome Dr. Brian Goodroad. Welcome to NP Pulse. Great. It's so great to be here. Oh, Dr. Goodroad, Brian, um, you know, I think we have so much to discuss today. We've got an important topic to talk about vaccine hesitancy. And, you know, right now during COVID-19 and we're trying to get all of our population vaccinated. So we've got a lot to unpack. But first thing I want to do is introduce you to our listeners. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Dr. Thomas, uh, I'm going to call you Sophia, if that's okay. Yes. Uh, I feel like we've been friends for so long through exactly. AANP. So. Yep, yep, Sophia it is. <laughs> uh, I'm an uh, adult nurse practitioner, well, I'm duly certified adult and family. Uh, f- first became an uh, adult nurse practitioner in 95, so 26 years now. Wow. I uh, teach uh, folks who are be- nurses who are becoming family nurse practitioners, and I practice at the HIV clinic at Hennepin Healthcare. Um, I'm interprofessional, uh, multidisciplinary team approach to providing folks with HIV primary care and HIV specialty care in downtown Minneapolis. Wow. I'm sure you have great success with that team-based approach. That's wonderful. It is wonderful. And uh, it's a really fun group to work with, too. But it's very appropriate that uh, we're talking about this today because I'm experiencing this vaccine hesitancy uh, specifically with the folks for whom I'm providing care every time I'm in clinic. Absolutely, and I am too. I, I care for um, a lot of the same population. And before we get into that, I'd like to also acknowledge that you are a valued member of our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, what we call our DEI Committee. And I'd like for you to just tell our listeners a little bit about the committee and the types of things that you're working on. Oh, I'm so excited to have been appointed I just uh, came on this past fall. It's such a good group and has been around some time uh, working to really try to understand and meet our AANP members' needs uh, for uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, to really explore how we as AANP 
are challenging ourselves to uh, move forward in, in this environment and provide the kind of care that we need to as nurse practitioners. Uh, one of the things we've we started this year was uh, we had our first in a series of webinars that we'll be doing. Uh, the second one uh, likely will come up in um, near the end of May. We we explore issues of diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion that we're experiencing at an organizational level, individually as care providers, and mostly we're trying to come up with important solutions. So what our organization can do, what we can do as individuals, as allies, as members of the uh, diverse populations as well. So it's a very exciting group. I'm so happy to be part of it. And uh, please check out the website, too, if you're interested for the upcoming webinar that we'll be having in May. Absolutely. And we'll share all that information in the the podcast notes so our listeners can have access to that. And look, I was so uh, excited to appoint you to the committee because I knew you'd be (laughs) such a valuable member. So I appreciate it. So let's move on. Let's talk about vaccine hesitancy. You know, we worry about communities of color, um, people who have multiple uh, social determinants of health, things that are putting them at a risk of complications of COVID. So we really want these populations to uh, get the COVID-19 vaccine as soon as they can. But historically, there's been a lot of hesitancy. It makes me think about the uh, Tuskegee syphilis study, which was a 40-year study. It was supposed to only last six months. It took, it was 600 African-American males. Um, 399 of them had latent syphilis and 201 didn't have syphilis. And they were being told they were getting free medical care. And um, so the study lasted uh, for 40 years and it was supposed to be six months. So, you know, after that, this this population really has a lot of mistrust um, in healthcare and the healthcare community and, and rightly so. And um, there are people around right now who remember uh, the Tuskegee trials, but these are the people that are so important right now to be getting their vaccines to help protect them from uh, COVID-19 and, you know, certainly complications and death. So I want you to speak more about vaccine hesitancy and why it's so important for nurse practitioners to be aware. And I think that one of the most important things for me is that NPs need to be talking to their patients right now about getting the vaccine, um, even if it's not available to them for another couple of months. Every patient encounter is so important to um, try to influence our patients to get the vaccine. So I'm going to turn it over to you and you can speak more to us about this, this problem we have. Oh, Sophia, you hit so many great topics just in what you were talking about that we could spend hours talking about. Absolutely, Um, (laughs) absolutely. So I think uh, a number of things that are important to bring up that there is this history of mistrust of our healthcare system. And it's African-Americans from the Tuskegee experiments you talk about. And I hear people say, well, that's a long time ago. How long does this go on? Well, I want to remind people that You know, in 2010, uh, minority women in U.S. prisons were forced to be sterilized against their will. Mm -hmm. And in uh, 2020, a story came out that, uh, you know, black babies are three times more likely to survive if they're cared for by or uh, cared for by a black physician than a white physician. And Dr. Susan Moore, an internal medicine physician, uh, went on social media to talk about feeling as though she was being treated in a racist manner before she died from COVID this last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, it is, yeah, it is not 
old things. It is a health system of with systemic racism built in. And there is good reason why people have this mistrust. And we but and it's not just African Americans. I'll bring up a, a American Indian population too, one with I work with a good deal here in the Midwest. And there's the same kind of mistrust from uh, experiments against their will uh, as well, uh, but a very different group way of dealing with COVID vaccine and different success rates in the in these groups. So uh, I think important to talk about too. So what we want to be sure we're doing when we talk with folks about COVID vaccine is that we come from a place of building trust, that we're, we're not judging folks because they say they don't want the vaccine or they might have heard something that doesn't seem very science or evidence-based. We don't want to make people feel bad for that in any way. We need to build this trust so that people will, will believe what we say and have that um, ability to share correct information. And I think that takes multiple visits. One, you, you also said, we need to start doing it now. We don't wanna wait till it's time for uh, folks to be able to get their vaccine. It's going to take some time to address these issues head on and be able to try to work through them with our folks who do have some distrust of uh, uh, the healthcare system in large, vaccines in large, or va vaccines in a, in a larger part as well. So um, really important. One of the things I think that we can do is be sure that we're getting addressing the misinformation that's out there too. Um, just uh, a recent uh, publication by the Kaiser Family Foundation uh, surveyed uh, Black Americans and found that 68% were getting their information about COVID and health issues from network TV, 65% mm -hmm. cable, 59% local channels, and 48% from friends and family. So there's a lot of potential for not incorrect information, but perhaps misinformation uh, that might make people afraid. Absolutely. And yeah, one of those things that I've heard people talking about is, you know, that uh, the number of deaths that have been associated post-approval of COVID vaccines. And we have our own media that kind of grabs onto the fear part of that of, you know, four people died after they've gotten the vaccine in Europe. And we all heard kind of a you know, scary media stories. Well, you want to be able to share that, you know, given the population that is getting the vaccines, there will be some people who die after they get the vaccine, completely un unrelated. unrelated reasons from the vaccine, right? You know, I, he I heard somebody that on a story this weekend say, well, they probably put on socks too, but we're not saying putting on socks causes a death from COVID vaccine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, things get sensationalized in the media, never mind the millions of people who have already gotten a vaccine and done fine. You know, the other thing was people were concerned about allergic reactions. That was big in the media a couple months mm -hmm. ago. And so people with even minor allergies were concerned about getting the COVID vaccine because I have allergies. And, and mm -hmm. you know, millions of people have gotten the vaccine safely without any complications. And I think, you know, different different um, surveys, different studies look at different types of statistics as well. I mean, um, I, I think a third of the American population overall is concerned about getting a vaccine. And so uh, and that's regardless. Right. So we need to really be educating 
everybody, but it's, we really are concerned about the communities most at risk for complications. Um, yeah. And that's this group you've, you've mentioned, you know, that's who's at risk. And I think one thing, I couldn't be a good member of the DEI committee without bringing up the fact that you also mentioned something so important to understand is that it's not some racial difference or difference based on race or ethnicity that makes uh, some people more likely to have severe COVID illness and to die from COVID illness or be hospitalized. It's those social determinants of health that are not equal, that are unjustly distributed among folks in America uh, and other countries. Um, that really put people at risk, right, for that. So I, I want to make sure, you know, we're, we're trying to combat this kind of idea of racism as some sort of physical or race as some sort of physical variable that we should be counting in who's at risk for illness and COVID illness being one of those. But it's really not, it's really not race that does it. It's the, the issues of um, social determinants uh, of health. Yeah. yeah, social yeah, organizations where people live, their demographics, you know, what what access they do or don't have to health systems. Um, those are the issues that are putting the people at risk and accounting for these differences in health outcomes and uh, inequities in health outcomes. Well, yeah. And then you talk about, you know, we could go on completely get off topic now, but you talk about the, <laughs> the zip codes are actually more of an indicator about what your health outcomes are going to be more so than your your genetics. And so, mm -hmm. but those are so important. So when we look at the deaths from COVID-19, um, we have the statistics that, you know, I graduated, I became, I was a nurse practitioner 25 years ago, you were an MP 26 years ago. And we, back when we were in school, we learned that the people most likely to have diabetes, heart disease, et cetera, were African-Americans and um, uh, Native Americans and those, those Hisp and Hispanics. And those populations mm -hmm. have not changed at all. Those statistics have not changed. But with that, the social uh, factors have not changed either. And so those are most at risk for health complications um, have really remained unchanged over the last, you know, two, three decades. And so these are the, the populations that we're concerned about now and trying to get them protected so, um, you know, they can look forward to a bright future with their family and, and you know, continue to age as we all are. Right. And and uh, it's so it's so important, underscores the importance is the number of uh, what we see for uh, BIPOC folks, for black, indigenous and people of color. Um, in people who are getting more COVID, carry a disproportionate burden of severe cases, uh, and in data so far are getting less vaccine, with some exceptions in some Native American groups in which the tribal uh, government has really uh, been the purveyor of the vaccine and the message of the vaccine. Exactly. And they're having some success, and we could learn from that uh, in the way in which we address folks with trust and trust building. Yeah. And, and, you know, we could get into the whole vaccine deployment and having it be the state's uh, issues. And it's, you know, really the governors in each state are in charge of, of how the vaccine is deployed in each state. And some states are doing it, obviously. 
uh, much better than others. I have to say that in my own state of Louisiana, I've been pleasantly surprised with the deployment. Oh. Um, so we've been we've been very very lucky, and our our vaccine rates are good. But other states are are having more trouble. And uh, again, the patients that are most at risk that maybe ha- don't have as much access to healthcare are the ones that are going to um, have challenges. And we also have to consider, you know, things like transportation. Um, can mm-hmm. they even get the vaccine if if they wanted it? But let let's get back to you know vaccine hesitancy overall because I think you know y- you and I could discuss and I think we should share uh, the many stories that we've heard um, why people don't want to get the vaccine. I mean, obviously there's the old autism thing that and that just goes yeah. for any vaccine and obviously that's that's not an issue. But um, share some of the things that you've heard from patients as you talk to them about getting the vaccine? Uh, I would say that the most frequent thing I hear is that the system of study of this vaccine was shorthanded, right? And so I, and I know we're going to talk about a, a, a method that you and I have talked about before that I like to use that is so good in clinical practice called the case method in which we how we talk to folks about it about the vaccine but one of the things that i like to share in thinking of that we'll come back to that case method and using it but one of the ways is talking about the actual science of it so when you look at how um, the data about how many participants were in the clinical trials there was, you know, over 110,000 people in those clinical trials mm-hmm. for the uh, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Yeah. But somehow the misinformation that there weren't a lot of people, that it was shorthanded, you know, that it was a short period. And yes, it was a short period because there was enough difference in how quickly and the amount of, you know, 95% e- efficacy upwards of 87 to 95% in preventing severe COVID illness became so clear so quickly that you couldn't keep people in this study for longer when we know that people could benefit from the vaccine. That just wouldn't be ethical. Exactly. So, you know, that's one of the biggest fears I've heard was that this was all, this was all too short. We don't know enough data. Well, and I like to compare that with other vaccines or other things that we do in healthcare too. We have, we, we, uh, things get approved, vaccines get approved before we have all the data about how they're going to affect the general population. Because we test, you know, we test different health uh, um, medications and vaccines and so forth on multiple groups. And we do it in a way that's controlled so that we understand whether the, the drug or vaccine in this case is effective. And that means that when you open it up to the larger group that you're you're giving it to, some people may experience some things that you didn't see in the clinical trials. And one of those was that allergy uh, issue mm-hmm. that was not seen in the hundred over hundred thousand or at the time seventy thousand folks in the two vaccines um, that you saw once people started getting it in a much larger sense. Um, but I just like to talk about, you know that that's a concern I would have if, there really was a, sh- a short shrifting to the study of this and a not understanding of this vaccine. But let's talk about what really had occurred in the number of trials. You know, yeah. I also will talk about other vaccines that were approved with 1,100 people. Studied, yeah, exactly. You know, like the, 
<laughs> you know, much smaller groups for similar length of period of time, or perhaps a little longer. But when you have that larger group, you don't need to study people as long. Exactly. And so, and when there's uh, a clear know, benefit, it, it's, yeah. you can't withhold that that treatment or that that vaccine from the general population uh, in the in right. the middle of a crisis, which is right. You know why it got the emergency use authorization. Right. And it's so important that we're continuing to study it as people are getting it, too, so that we understand its use for future about what people, who's more likely to have an allergic reaction, and what do we need to do to really reduce that risk. Absolutely. And to understand those people who did die, and knowing that not one yet, as yet, has been found to be related to the vaccine. Absolutely. And that that's so important. And, and, you know, stories on the news and social media can really scare people. And and unfortunately, that's the way our media is today is, is, is. kind of, um, you know, it has to be the shocking news um, without. Right. Drama sells. Exactly. <laughs> drama does sell. You need, it's all about the ratings. So, right. um, you know, it's so important that people get the accurate information. And, you know, nurses, nurse practitioners. Practitioners are, uh, once again, America's most trusted profession. And so I think that we are great um, purveyors of the news and of the facts to help our patients learn and understand uh, the benefits and um, everything there is to do to know about the vaccine to try to save their lives, ultimately. Right, right. And that's one thing, you know, in that in that uh, that poll that consistently has listed us as the most trusted uh, except for uh, the year of the Twin Towers yeah. and the attack in New York, um, uh, they you know they don't see us as having other uh, competing priorities, right? We're out for the patient. We're that's where we're seen as uh, trying to do the best for our patients, and so that's why we're we're trusted. And part of that is, I tell patients when they have questions about the vaccine, I want you to get the best care, right? Yep. And that's part of that case method and corroborating why we care about this same issue. Let's find our, you know, our uh, likenesses and why we care about your health or my patient's health. Exactly. So I tell you what, we've teased it a little bit. I, we I have. think <laughs> let's just talk about the case method. So this is a method that uh, I first saw when uh, a DNP student of mine wanted to do something about MMR vaccines. You know, we you mentioned that this MMR and autism connection has long been, unfortunately, part of misinformation. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, she it was developed out of some Mayo researchers. And CASE, each letter, C-A-S-E, stands for um, something you do as a clinician to uh, try to work with vaccine-hesitant folks, either vaccines for themselves or for their children, vaccine-hesitant parents. And the C-A-S-E stands for, the C stands for corroborate. The A is about me. So you share something about yourself. Um, and I'll, I'll go over each section a little in more detail. The S stands for science and the E stands for explain or advise. So in corroborate, you want to you want to share something that makes that connection, right? So I'll just give you an exact example of a person I saw Friday with a student there, and when he said, "I'm not going to get that COVID vaccine. There's no way." And I said, "Well, would you just share why you don't want to get it?" And his issue was uh, four people who died, and that we don't hear anything about that. 
And so in corroborating for him, I said, you know what? Like you, if I felt that this vaccine was unsafe, I wouldn't get it either. Mm -hmm. And that's all you have to say. It's not some big, long thing. You just corroborate. But you don't want to support false information. Nope. Right. You don't want to like somebody would say, let's take uh, if somebody said I was fear, um, I'm afraid of side effects or I'm afraid that it might kill me or I might die from it. You don't want to say I understand your fear because you because, don't understand their fear. Right. Right. Because you don't want to say that that's uh, you don't want to give the impression that there's a, a reason to be fearful. Mm -hmm. So you but I do want to say it's if 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 this wasn't safe. I wouldn't get it either. But about me, I will say, and I don't say about me, but I'll say, that's why I wouldn't get it either. That's why as your healthcare provider, as the person who wants to make sure you have the best information to make your own decisions, I've looked into these studies, right? I've looked into that very issue. And then you move on to the, the, S, science. the science. What I found was that Here's the number of people who have gotten the vaccine. Given that number, there are going to be some people who die from completely unrelated reasons just after getting that vaccine. And so it's important that we understand those reasons and examine those. And I'm happy to say that in what I see in the research thus far is that those cases in which people have died have not been related to the vaccine. Yep. And so that's the science. Don't overwhelm with 42 no, different articles. Yeah, not too many studies. Um, but, <laughs> right. But you want to give the science. Mm -hmm. And then you say, simply explain or advise. That's why, gosh, I've gotten my vaccine. And I would advise you for to keep you healthy and to keep you well. I would advise you to get the vaccine, too. And it's very simple. It is. Um, it's totally simple uh, you know i was when i was doing my dnp i was um a few years ago i was wanting to look at hpv um uh, uptake and try to influence hpv numbers in in teenage patient patients and so i actually um looked at this i ended up doing my dnp project on a little something different but i i was all into this and and the case method works and i actually use it in my practice all the time as i'm you know talking to to parents, teenagers, and adults about getting various vaccines. And, you know, it works so well. And I use my own personal experience. I, you know, mm -hmm. all of my children have been vaccinated and, and we included this one. And if I thought it was any danger, I certainly wouldn't, you know, have given it to my children either. Right, right. Um, and I, I always like to say, like you, I think that if there was any danger in this vaccine, I would not be recommending it to anyone. Exactly. You know, so I want to like make that connection. We hear so much about how we're different, you know, and there's so much fighting over differences in our world right now. It's more about how we're the uh, same. Yes. Yes. Let's yeah. focus on that. Because you, if you start talking with people, you usually can find quite a lot that you feel the same about. And in fact, with this person, I saw his face change when I said the thing about, because obviously he had been kind of shamed about how could you think you'd not, you know, this is, you're ridiculous to not get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. When I said, if I felt like it wasn't safe, I wouldn't get it either. Exactly. His, I could see his eyes and the way he looked at me change yeah. at that moment. Now I've talked, I've seen this guy for about seven years as his So you had provider. that built so up had, trust <laughs> as well, but yeah. 
but but yes, and and it and it works, and you you we make that connection with our patients, and we yeah. we empathize with them, we understand, uh, we listen, we show compassion. Um, but the but the case method, I think, is a very easy way, an mm-hmm. easy tool that we could utilize in our own practices, corroborate about me, science, and explain. And and we're gonna. Um, I think it's important that we link. Uh, this information in the show notes. So we'll share this yeah. with our listeners. They can read the the study about how it was used. Yeah. And there's a couple examples in the short article. It's not, you know, it's not a 14-page article. It's, a, it's, it's like a two-pager, I think, read, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. And a couple examples, not with COVID vaccine, but it's so easy to start using it with COVID vaccine. And I would love to see somebody else study it for other issues, to other behavior change issues too, because it's it seems the principles behind it are much more general than just vaccine. Oh I yeah, think. absolutely. If you could really use it for any any concern a patient had about something they'd mm-hmm. seen on TV, something they'd heard on social media, uh, re- regarding any topic, you could use the case right. method to really uh, dispel any fears and and. Um, you know, hopefully direct them uh, and encourage them to make the change that needs to happen. And what I love is it acknowledges, it corroborates, right? It acknowledges their fear without saying that it's okay to have a non-evidence-based fear, but it doesn't judge. It absolutely doesn't judge. It's not saying you're ridiculous if you don't get this. Exactly. I I remember... Uh, and this is just a total aside, but I was an NP new to my practice in 95. It was all physicians before. Uh-huh. and Back in the day. Uh, yeah. A, a young man who was 22 HIV positives was seeing me too. And he switched to me from from the you know physician who had started the practice and graduated a long time before. And I said, oh, how come you switched to me? And he said, because when I told you I smoked, you didn't tell me, you didn't judge me, uh-huh. right? So... His previous provider had said something about, well, I hope you're saving for your coffin. Oh, gosh. He told him that he smoked. Great way to shut him down. <laughs> right. And and he quit seeing him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what we want to do. We we want to build that trust. We want to accept them, not be judgmental. And that's what the nursing models of why we're advanced practice nurses as nurse practitioners are so important. We, we can't forget that holistic nursing model from where we came because we don't learn to do that kind of I hope we don't learn to do that kind of judgy um, uh, kind of statements that might turn somebody off and totally set them away from our healthcare system in entirety. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, th- I think we uh, do it right most of the time. So I, th- I think most that's of the <laughs> time, yeah, we all have bad days. <laughs> <laughs> and if we didn't, uh, there would be something wrong. We are all human. Right. Um, right. And, you know, nurse practitioners try to give so much of themselves to, you know, yeah. anything we can do for our patients because of the, our love for our patients. Well, Brian, I think we are almost out of time. And so I want to take this time to thank you for joining us on NP Pulse. You certainly provided a lot of information and certainly the case method. I, I hope our listeners will start utilizing in their own practices I definitely think we right now need to be talking about the vaccine to all of our patients, no matter what age they are, um, to try to you know provide them the information they need to make, hopefully, uh, the right choice to get the vaccine if it's something for them. Um, so I appreciate you joining us here on NP Pulse. 
Sophia, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. I could just go on for hours. I know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But I would just really suggest absolutely check out this case method. It's so applicable in practice. You can do it in a quick way when you're running behind even. But starting it now, like you said, is a key to helping people get ready for that vaccine when when their group is uh, called forward. Absolutely. And we're going to provide that very short article that is very easy to read (laughs) uh, in the show notes so people will be able to access it and hopefully read it today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brian, both for joining us today to share your insight and for being a part of the AANP Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Committee really working to make a difference for your association and your patients. Registration is now open for the AANP 2021 National Conference. We are presenting this conference online for 2021 with more than 80 continuing education sessions available for you to take part at your own pace over the course of two months. I hope to see you in there and chat with you on the conference forum. It's so much fun. Please subscribe to this podcast, share it with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner.